You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, old crew's here, by the way, Zach Carlson, Cole Midnight Carmody, and Ryan, I'm off work. No, Fitz, I didn't get fired. Gilbert. Not yet. Not yet. Give him time. We're all assembled here with three dogs who are all sacked out, I think. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into The Fridge whenever you're in town. Make sure you say hi to Kevin and the gang right there at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. And our segment sponsors are Tanner's and The High Low. And the two young guys across the table for me. No offense, Zach. You're kind of in the middle. Wow. You're you're about ready to touch 30. We still got more than a year. I know. Yeah, that's why I said you're about ready. Uh, but you two were supporting one of our segment sponsors last night. Indeed. Watching the Would have been better with, with you and Zach. Yeah, I know. I know. Everything's better with me. I get it. Um, but hey, uh, He added me, too. Uh-huh. I put you in there. <laughs> I don't really agree with that part. But, um, yeah, it would have been great if my back would cooperate. But I'm old. They stayed out until after 1 o'clock, Fitz. On a Monday night? On a Monday yeah. night. We were home by around 12. No, nah, you got not to check. And that's not, a, not according to my re- my red receipts <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he from texted Gills. Like one. He's like, you forgot to slot your article. I was like, oops. Yeah. And then Fitz... Set his for June 30th, and I'm just like, it's one in the morning. I'm just like, uh, guys, I don't know <laughs> what how I did that. I I don't have any clue how I would have done that, but I do a lot of weird things in our admin, but it is now on the website, so I fixed it. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope you had a good uh, weekend, extended weekend. I've decided, guys, that I think we'd be better as a society if we had three-day weekends every every week. Don't you? We'll all pitch in a couple extra hours of work. Not me, because I do whatever I want. Do it all. And uh, we'll just take that Monday off every week. Especially when the next day is Tim Fitzgerald's birthday. I know. Um, And uh, flags are at half staff. Not because of the flags. It's more the half staff honors me. So there we go. Zach's over here. <laughs> uh, let's go get going with your questions from Wabash Station. I'm still a little groggy this morning. I uh, And we're all stoned on Benadryl. <laughs> Things are getting wild. Uh, midnight uh, is the answerer this segment. And uh, Ryan Gilbert <laughs> is the question asker. Good Lord. Let's hope this gets better. From Adam K. 63, in regards to the selection committees in basketball and baseball, is there an inconsistency on how they select teams that are on the bubble? Cole. I mean, this is not necessarily just a baseball question, so I think everybody should have an opinion on this, but 
Yeah. I mean, to answer the question, yes. I feel like I tweeted this out, but I thought the NCAA college football playoff committee was bad. And I thought the NCAA tournament basketball committee was bad until I watched the NCAA selection show for baseball. And I realized they were the worst of the three. So, yeah, I I don't understand. Um, We'll we'll talk about baseball here um, in a little bit, I'm sure. But I don't understand the selection process, really. Uh, I think it just goes to show how flawed the NCAA is as a whole, quite honestly. If you want to go on your K-State not making the tournament right now, you can go for it. (laughs) Well, I won't, I won't. A, there isn't a specific question about K-State not making it. So, Ladies you guys and can. gentlemen, here's Cole Carmody. <clears throat> so let's just say that <clears throat> he's loading up. He's loading up. There's a lot of people who think that, you know, oh, woe is us. We're K-State. Woe is us. We'll never get anything done because of we're K-State. And quite honestly, I hate that attitude. And it is something that is prevalent and I understand it. But for baseball, especially this year, there's absolutely no reason that anybody should have that attitude because this was the best team that they have had talent-wise since 2013. And individually, this is a team that is going to have Major League Baseball players on the roster, which nobody from 2013 is still playing professional baseball, at least at the major league level. So as far as individual talent goes, this is one of the most talented teams that K-State has ever had. And the fact that they weren't even considered within the last four out is just ridiculous. I mean, I think people have agreed with me on that statement, but I put in one of my articles that if Fairfield, a team that is 37 and three, but only played teams in the MAAC gets in over K-State, then every single person on the NCAA selection committee should be fired and never allowed to evaluate talent again. And I fully believe that there's absolutely no reason that K-State shouldn't even be in consideration. The fact that they weren't in consideration just goes to show how flawed the whole system is. Teams got in because they're in the SEC. Teams got in because they're in the ACC. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The NCAA has coastal bias on the West Coast and on the East Coast. And because K-State's in the middle, they didn't even get a chance. And quite honestly, it's absolutely ridiculous. Here's my thing in assessing college baseball. Uh, You've got a selection committee for football or however they do it. It's not a committee. It's a – anyhow – but we've all seen the football teams. We can turn on our TV any day and watch any team we want. Same with basketball. You can assess. You know, we all spend an excessive amount of time sitting around watching college basketball tournaments, conference tournaments, and different games through the year. I almost got the impression that the, the committee isn't watching baseball. That, that they just kind of are looking at pieces of paper. And there's a it, it struck me that there just seems to be a level of ignorance in there. And I, I'm going to grant them this, that this year was exceedingly more difficult than usual, probably to assess teams, because roughly half the conferences only played conference games. So there seemed to be and I mentioned this in my uh, daily delivery, there seemed to be a, a, an effort to accommodate because of covid there that okay you couldn't you you were strict restricted to play only conference games we're not going to hold that against you but Kansas State you lost all your non-conference games and had to reschedule with any team that you could possibly find to have non-conference games I'm sorry that that hurts you it, it just didn't make sense to me 
Now, look, K-State had some bad losses, and I'm not going to argue that they belonged in the tournament because, Cole, I don't know. I'm just as ignorant, apparently, as a lot of the people on the committee. <clears throat> I'm not a baseball expert by any stretch. But as I watched the Big 12 tournament, and I've watched college baseball through the years, that is a team capable of playing at a high level. I mean, you don't just go through a tournament and beat TCU, Tech, and Baylor in a row if you're not a good team, if you're not capable of having the pitching required to survive a tournament environment. I'm, I'm a little dumbfounded that they weren't closer in the tournament. Folks, they weren't in the discussion. It, it really sounds like that. They weren't in the discussion. Even after winning three games in Oklahoma City and splitting games, you know, over the course of two weekends with the team that won the Big 12 tournament and ends up hosting. It's crazy. You know, Pete Hughes said it perfectly. And I, again, I'm stealing from my own daily delivery. K-State isn't a name brand in college baseball. But the fear here is that K-State is falling out of the name brand status in football and basketball. And you do that, you're in big trouble at realignment time. You really are. You have to be a name brand. I think Pete's really hit a, a good theme there. Because the only reason TCU's in the Big 12 is they were a name brand in football at the right time. If they had fallen off and had a four and five win season back to back right before Big 12 was looking, TCU would not be in the Big 12. Simple. So it's really important that K State get its crap together and quickly. Because there's going to come a time when being a name brand means more than just postseason play. Yeah, I think the worst part of this is, you know, K-State, not just baseball, but football, too. The M.O. this season was we want to play and we're going to play and we're not going to make any excuses. We're going to play football, basketball, baseball, whatever. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. We're going to play them. And the worst part is it came to hurt them at times. And they could have just stayed at home and not played. And maybe, just maybe, they would have had a better chance, you know, pretending like they were a Big Ten team that didn't get to play half their games. You know, that's the most frustrating part is that K-State came to play and they lose for it. Think about how good their strength of schedule would have been if they don't go out and play Arkansas Pine Bluff, who Ryan and I called the game on the radio. It was just shouldn't even, I mean, they're, they're a program that only survives off of going to get their butts kicked when they go play these big institutions, right? I mean, that's how they get their funding for the program. And unfortunately, that's who K-State had to play because those were the only teams that were able to play. Um, yeah, I don't understand. If they are if they don't go play those games, their strength of schedule, which is uh, – I don't know if you guys saw the clip of the guy talking in the committee talking about why Alabama got in. He's like, oh, well, uh, their strength of schedule was pretty good. And yeah, their strength of schedule was pretty good. K-State doesn't play those non-conference games. Their strength of schedule is top 25 because the Big 12 is a very good baseball conference. So you're right. It, it came back to punish them. But I, I do think what's good is Pete Hughes is the perfect person, the absolute perfect person for this job. And if anybody is going to make sure that they're ready to go when they start in the fall next season, it's going to be him. I'm extremely excited for what Pete Hughes is doing with this baseball program and where they can go. I really am. Credit to Pete Hughes for getting a staff that can coach well in his absence, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it was impressive to see what Austin Waits was in charge for four games and he won three of them. So, you know, that's that's pretty good. Two of them. Or two of them. He did. He did split. Like, it's but, really good teams, though. Yeah. 
but three, two out of three against TCU. Yeah. So, and I think Pete Hughes is ideal to pick up the mantle of this cause because Pete's a Boston brawler. I mean, he's and K Staters love that. That's that's part of why K Staters loved Frank Martin was he would fight for him. He'd fight for the cause, fight for the colors, and Pete will do that too. But I, I think more than that, he's going to react to this and and maybe make sure with scheduling this doesn't come up again. And, you know, as he pointed out, just because of who K-State has traditionally scheduled in the non-conference, falling within the realm of conferences that didn't play non-conference games like Nebraska, Omaha or Creighton or whoever else you want to list off, Nebraska, um, it just really hit K-State uh harder than others, but also the simple fact that we're located in a region of the United States where you can't just drive a few extra miles to go play another Southern team or another East Coast team. You're, you're kind of out here in the middle where if a bunch of the conferences decide not to play non-conference teams, who are you going to play? And they end up with Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Texas Southern and, and those schools, and it hurt. And he's right. And so the committee basically said, hey, Pete, you would have been better off if you didn't let your kids play. It's crazy. You stop and think about it. That's insane. You would have been better off by not playing games than winning series against teams that were available to be scheduled in a COVID year. That's nuts. It's just, the whole thing's nuts. And I was really frustrated by it. But as I, I've said repeatedly, I don't know college baseball the, at the depth level. You need to understand the nuance between K State and Alabama and Fairfield and some ACC team. Give me an ACC team that North Carolina. Oh yeah, there we go. Name brand. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I mean that that quote from the committee chair about Alabama was basically him saying, "Well, it's Alabama." That's why we picked them. Mm -hmm. What what do you mean? Why did we put Alabama in? It's Alabama. That's, I mean, that was basically what he said. 10 SEC schools out of 14 made the college baseball tournament. Sure, they're the best team in the country. Four Big 12 schools out of nine. But the second best team, the second best conference in the country made the tournament. Doesn't make any sense at all. Doesn't. Okay. I'm actually got I got something to say about baseball. You Whoa! guys, yeah, sound the alarms. There we go. Um, you guys haven't mentioned this, and you know, K State's losses. I mean, that's there's a lot of weight on those. I'd have to assume. Obviously, there's some great wins in there, like Tech and TCU. But they got, you know, they lost a series to Kansas. They lost was it Eastern Illinois? Cole. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are fine. It's baseball. You're going to lose games. But when K State lost, it was ugly. I mean, the amount of games they lost, like seventeen to one. We were talking about this last night, Cole. You know, if you're down, let's say six to one after, you know, three innings, you know, you're gonna you're probably gonna lose that game. So, you know, K State would go with their pitchers who aren't as good. You know, a loss is a loss and a win is a win, but I don't know how the numbers work, but when you lose seventeen to one instead of two to one, I'm sure that, that hurts your overall RPI, right? So what was it, seventy something for K State? Yeah. For RPI. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that, that number had a, a big impact on on the committee. I don't know how much weight they put into that. You probably know more than I do, but just the the fact that you lose a game is fine, but the way they lost a lot of those games, I I'd have to assume that has a little bit of an impact on it. Fair enough. I agree. Yeah. All right. 
You guys like that? I'm, I'm the baseball expert now. Yeah. No, no, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another question from Adam K. Sixty three: Should the automatic bid of a conference tournament champion be eliminated if the selection committee is so concerned with the body of work during the conference season? Yes, I mean the short answer, at least for baseball, is 100 percent yes. Jackson, the Jacksonville Dolphins, out of I want to say the SoCon. I think is what conference they're in. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to look it up. But 16 and 32, they went 1 and 13 in conference play, and they won their conference tournament, and now they're playing in an NCAA regional tournament. Doesn't make any sense. For baseball especially, the body of work is more important than five games at the end of the season. If you want to make the argument for basketball, sure, because that's the type of tournament that it is. You win and you advance. You lose and you're done. It's not like that for baseball. You have double elimination in every single postseason format except for the Super Regionals, and even then you have to lose uh, twice. Except for the championship game in the Big 12, right? Except for that. no sense. Well, I mean, you, I think it does. I mean, you, you're playing six games. Well, you're never going to play six games in five days, four days, ever. So it's I, strange. I understand it. I, understand it. I, I had always had to explain it to people. They were like, well, so is the championship then two out of three, or you got to, you know— get to whoever it's lost to. And I'm like, no, because this isn't a double elimination tournament. It's two four-team double elimination tournaments, and the winners play each other once. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really how it works. It was just kind of strange. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that was Oklahoma State's first loss, and TC already had a loss. You would think they would have to play again. Yeah. But that's not what they're doing. They're just they're, – they're picking. It's kind of like the the regional format. Except for the fact the Super Regional then is two, two out, out of three. three. Yeah, Cole, I think you kind of killed your argument for K-State making the tournament there, saying that you know it shouldn't be – you shouldn't win a few games at the end because you're hot <laughs> no, but and make the tournament, you know? And it's it about the body of work. Resume. Well, K-State's body of work was pretty bad, and we were hoping they could get hot. <laughs> And, yeah, and well, I, make, I it based, make it based off of a few games without winning, the, you know, even winning the auto bid, you know? I mean, yeah, it was nice to see K-State get hot. And I think that, yes, they should. I mean, I think that being hot at the end should get you a little bit more credit credit than than maybe RPI and strength of schedule. But I'm annoyed uh, by, by tournaments determining a league champ. I just am. I always have been. I just think it's silly. It's It's meant to steal a bid. Okay, we had an upset in our tournament. Someone got in that didn't belong in, and now this team that didn't get in because they belong in still gets in. We stole a bid. We stole it from someone worthy of being in the tournament. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of it at all. I think it just exists to add to, to your resume. I mean, you look at it for college basketball, it's the same way. Uh, those teams that are typically on the bubble, if they go to Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament and get a big win, you know, that's going to add to their resume. And maybe they're not on the bubble anymore. They're, they might not win the whole thing, but that helps their cause. I think that's kind of where I'm at as far as K-State baseball. Like, yes, being in Oklahoma City and winning those games – Helped tremendously. I mean, I thought all along that, you know, if they, there's things that they had to do and they had to do everything that they did in order to have a chance to make the tournament. Ultimately, they didn't make the tournament. And, you know, I think I've made my opinion pretty clear that I think that was a mistake. But I think the overall complete resume, not just the tournament resume, um, should be, should be examined. And unfortunately for K State, that just wasn't the cause. Well, Fitz, going back to the, the conference tournaments, they're all about money, obviously. No one's mm-hmm. going to go watch if it's just a random tournament with no real, you know, I guess, prize at the end. 
Yeah, I think I think having the automatic bids as a, keeps people interested enough as as a reward. I think it proves how worthless conference tournaments are because it's a cheap way to get a bid and steal a bid. And if you get rid of that, well, what are we playing a tournament for? If we're just going to do the regular season, you know, it's it's kind of a money grab. It's but yeah, you, you know, you need you need something at the end. But I think it's outdated from a time where there were no at-large teams in tournaments. You had to win your conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament. Well, it's not for I, I would I would make the argument too that I mean teams that are quote unquote on the bubble need conference tournaments. I mean, you look at what happened in the SEC, right? That have done almost everything they need right. to get in. They've earned it, um, but not quite yet throughout the course of the season. As opposed to a team that has a losing record that steals their tournament and gets in. Because when you're in a in a non-Power 5 conference, in basketball or baseball for that matter, I mean, you talk about money and TV deals. Well, people aren't watching those games anyway. I mean, they air on ESPN Plus or they air on ESPN 3 when that used to be a thing, right? So, yeah, I mean, people aren't necessarily watching this. It, it just saves a way for those teams to say, oh, well, we can still make the big dance. We just have to win these last games because if they don't, then their seasons are over. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really understand it um, for the smaller conferences. I think to conference tournaments for the bigger schools, I think, are really good because I do think that they help prepare you for the postseason. Yeah, I again, I'm not a fan of conference tournaments. Hey, we've played each other all year long. We for the last two plus months we played each other. Let's play each other some more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost would prefer if there was like a tournament week in the middle of the year and the NCAA tournament committee assigned people to tournaments. You you want to know who belongs in from the mid-majors? Well, here's a mid-major tournament going on right now that's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's a bunch of bubble teams with a month to go in the season. They're all going to play each other and prove who's the best. I, I think there might be some real value in that. Of course, K-State would get stuck with Fairfield and then be told, <laughs> hey, you didn't play anyone in your tournament. Does Bruce still have his job if there was no Big 12 tournament in 2017? They don't beat Baylor. That's interesting. Bruce fascinates me because he has perfected the art of going to the brink. Mm-hmm. I mean, without the first four, he's gone. Without that yeah. so, yes. stupid win over Wake Forest, he's gone. It's so crazy. Not even the Baylor win. Yeah. It's just crazy to me how, how close he's come. And that's I fielded a question from... <clears throat> I think it was Seren Petro one of the times I did his show out of Kansas City. He asked me what will be K-State's record next year in basketball. And I said, well, what's what's the number that puts Gene Taylor in the biggest pickle? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is it 7 and 11 or, you know, uh, 8 and 10? 8 and 10 seems like a good record uh, that would – but not in the tournament. That puts Gene in a pretty good jam. I mean, that's exactly what he's done to ADs. It's – now three different ADs if you want to count the interim's time. It's just crazy. You just, oh, you want me to definitively save my job? No, we're not going to do that. And we're not going to definitively fail either. We're going to just fall right in the middle. Have fun. It's crazy. From El Camino Cat, lightning round. Who will lead K-State football in the following categories next season? And then we'll go one by one. Rush attempts. Darren Sproles. <laughs> 
didn't say it was going to be a good answer, but it was going to be an answer. Uh, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, actually, yeah, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Wait a Someone has to say Joe Irvin, but I'll say Deuce Vaughn. Well, way to put some drama into it. Deuce Vaughn. Ah, oh, Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> you as well, Fitz? Yeah. Okay. Uh, receptions? Oh. Deuce Vaughn? Yeah. It's crazy. Are you going to rely on him all that much again? Maybe. If Thompson gets injured, then I'll go with Vaughn, but I, I'll go with Malik Knowles if, if Thompson's healthy. It needs to be Malik Knowles. Baby? Matter baby? I'm matter baby? That's who I'm going to say, Daniel. Matter I'll say him. Yeah. <laughs> if he stays healthy. Okay. Just based on the offense and last year. Mm-hmm. Sacks. Hmm. I'm going to say Bronson Massey has a huge year. I love it. I think he's on a mission. Khalid Duke. Okay. I'm going to go boom, Bronson Massey too. Then mm, Pickle. Really? Hmm. And I don't know really I don't know why I said that, but I did. That's a bold move. That is you guys throw up the pile, right? Uh-huh, All right. Good. Okay. Uh, tackles. Daniel Green. Guy that runs around and John McPherson. That's a good pick too. Who else is in the secondary? <laughs> I'll go green. Wayne Jones. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that's a good pick. But if Wayne Jones leads the team in tackles, something has gone wrong. You're probably right about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, last but not least, passes defended. Wow. That's a tough one. Because that means they're going to throw at him, though. So Yeah. Oh, wait. Can I change my, my answer? <laughs> Tackles. TJ Smith. We've moved okay. on. I'm sorry. Different, so, different, answers safe, are locked. different safety. I'll take him for passes defended, too. Uh, I'll go with Echo Boido on that. Yeah. that. He looks like a guy you'd go after, yeah. but not have luck with it. Julius Brintz. Echo. So is that Boido. your answer? Okay, okay. I, I just thought you were. <laughs> I'm like, echoing you, right? I thought you were echoing Julius Brents. I didn't know. I was, uh, <laughs> got very confusing there. <laughs> From TDE67, has a June camp season ever been bigger for the football program than this year? Oh man, this is enormous. I mean, what what has gone on right now in college football with recruiting has so handcuffed a a school in an isolated area like Kansas State. It's just been horrible for. K-State recruiting. You just don't have a bunch of kids that can easily drive in and do their own thing and see campus. Look, if you're a recruit in Dallas, how many Division One schools can you comfortably drive to on a Saturday just to go check out the campus on your own? And that list doesn't include Kansas State. I mean, it might even include Oklahoma. Just drive up there and do your thing. It's it's been awful. Um, it's going to be fun to follow, and I hope people will come over to Go Power Cat and follow along as Ryan Wallace and you guys pitch in and and cover this. What should be a flurry of recruiting, but Wally's been on top of it, and now it's going to break loose. Now that we're at June, thankfully, <laughs> we could use the content. I know that. I mean, it, it could get pretty entertaining, and we're going to be covering those camps too. It's going to be like wildfire, I feel like. I mean, not necessarily just for K-State, but all around the country. I mean, we've already seen uh, – I saw on Twitter, I think Wally put something out there about Florida State is hosting a, a midnight – they hosted like a midnight madness for recruits at midnight. It been last night we were recording this. So right as soon as the clock hit 12 o'clock on June 1st, there was recruits on campus. 
which is one pretty cool way of, you know, dealing with things. But I mean, there's going to be the dominoes are going to start to fall and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Why could you wait till 8 a.m.? Couldn't, couldn't we all get a night's sleep first? I know this shit wouldn't Black happen Friday. if Bobby Bowden was in charge. <laughs> he would have been in bed by 10. Black Friday. Got to get in line early. Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to go on a campus visit at midnight. Oh, hold on, I would do. <laughs> <laughs> From TDE67, what impact of COVID do you see as a positive on K-State sports moving forward? Man, a positive that COVID will bring. This is hard to define. Exactly. Zoom baseball press conferences, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've talked to Chris Brown, the baseball, this idea about continuing Zooming. Because my problem with covering baseball on a regular basis is it just exhausts your staff. To go out there for a three-hour game, got to get there early and stay for post game, And honestly, being able to listen on the radio or watch at home while you're doing other stuff, um, and then pop into the Zoom was really a valuable tool for us and, and allowed us to provide coverage for fans that we haven't been able to do in the past. I kind of, I kind of do believe that Zoom needs to be layered into a lot more press conferences, a lot. Um, particularly if, um, you know, my thing is, Zach, if, if they have a camera there from athletics, it's filming the original source material mm-hmm. at a press conference that, for example, television stations can get, but then the the TV personality can pop in on Zoom and ask a question. As a rural school, and, and I'm sorry if that offends you that I'm defining K-State as that, because that's exactly how the Kansas City media would think of K-State, it, it might afford K-State an opportunity to get into that market a little more if a reporter doesn't have to drive two hours, spend three hours at a game, another hour post game, and two hours back. I mean, we're talking an eight-hour day at that point just to cover a K-State game. Folks, it's not worth the resource to the Kansas City media unless it's KU and they get a double whammy out of it. It's just not. Or it better be a really good football team. But if they can do other stuff around the office while having passively the K-State game on and they can catch the highlights and then come into Zoom and say, Hey, Coach, what about that decision on the third down, da 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 and you look like the hard-ass journalist, and you can run that that quote to your answer. I think that's really valuable for a school like Kansas State to be able to leverage that. And also, uh, as, as a Kansas State, we've noticed through Zoom calls, then random reporters will show up. Mm-hmm. I'm working on something nationally. I'm going to hop into the K-State Zoom and ask Chris Kleiman this or Bruce Weber this. Adam Rittenberg or yeah. you know, national ESPN type guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and then you don't have to afford your coach extra time to talk to a national person separately. Uh, in reality, I don't know how much is going to change, how much will just flip back to the way it was. Uh, but... Um, I think there are some things there with media management that could help Kansas State, some lessons there. I think that if Pack and Bradford and those guys stay for their fifth year after, you know, with their COVID year, that can really help them out. Um, I guess having this year would be the year that didn't count, you know, because it was just a disaster to get them to grow and learn and understand uh, college basketball a little bit better. That could be beneficial. Um, but that's all I can think of. This was yeah. a tough question. Yeah, the extra year. I think K-State's handling that the right way, by the way, is 
Some schools are holding back the eligibility and some schools are advancing the eligibility, which is what Kansas State's doing. Because technically that's correct. Mm-hmm. Technically you didn't <clears throat> you didn't get a bonus season. You were afforded the opportunity to ask for the bonus season when your career's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of nuanced, but that's really accurate. So Deuce Vaughn is a sophomore, but when he's a senior, he then can pull the the free pass out of his back pocket and say, I'd like to stick around for another year. How many guys are going to do that? Not that many, I bet. That's what I don't think either. Not that many because it's going to be just like this year. How many guys actually took advantage of it? Not a lot. And there was there was a reason everyone did. I mean, you've got subsets of players. You're good enough to play in the league. You're not coming back. You're not good enough to play in the league and you just earned your college degree. You may not be coming back. It, you just got injured and you missed that year, so you came back. You're the quarterback. You're going to come back. Or you're kind of a tweener. Like, you might be NFL caliber, but you haven't had enough opportunities either through depth or injury. So you're John McPherson, Boom Massey, Cody Fletcher. You come back. So it's kind of you got to be in this little tiny slot of type of player that want to come back. Or you just love football. And you know that this is it. <laughs> it it's, a, it's a valuable. It's it. That's important to say because that might be true of basketball and baseball, but football, yeah, getting your snot beat out of you year after year, you might say, "Okay, I loved football, but now after twelve years of competitive football, yeah. I'm done. My body's done, and I'm not playing in the league, so I'm out of here." But basketball, you may not be the same. Baseball may not be the same. Baseball might really be. Well, I'm not good enough to be a minor league player. I'm going to come back and play one more year of baseball. But see, I don't know how – I think that was different because they started that last year. So like Cameron Thompson, Chris Ceballos, all those guys that were seniors. You're correct. They actually had their season wiped right. out. So right. So this was their fifth year or what? You know, their last super senior year. So those guys won't be able to come back. But I don't know if that – I'm pretty sure it's the same thing like K-State advanced eligibility. But if those guys that want the extra year can – Stay yeah, I eventually. I think way. in even two, probably two years, mostly three, you're going to see maybe like two or three guys a year come back. I, I, mean, I don't. I don't mean. think. I don't think that it's going to be as big of a, a deal as it was this year. I guess as the guys coming mm-hmm. back. I think that most people. I think you're right, Fitz. K State should. You know, they're doing the right thing, advancing the eligibility because I think. There's not going to be that many guys that come back and say, hey, I have a bonus year. You know, you'll, you'll probably have a few, a couple a year. I look forward to the future when three years down the road, we're sitting around, why is so-and-so coming back? <laughs> and Ryan Gilbert goes, because he's still here um, in three years. <laughs> we're working at Goldsby's. Um, <laughs> it, it says, uh, because he had the COVID year. And we're like, oh, COVID, how did I forget? I mean, I'm looking forward to that because it'll happen. In three yeah. years, someone will come back for a, a six year and we'll be so confused for a moment and then realize, oh, yeah, there was a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Last question of the first half from TDE67. What football player or position group will benefit the most from a normal summer this year? From a normal summer? Quarterbacks. Hundred percent. Well, I think yeah, quarterback receiver that mm-hmm. relationship that might have suffered at K State a little bit, but you'd think other it happened everywhere. 
um, offensive line, just being able to work together in the offseason. And not even I'm not even talking football stuff. I'm just talking about let's go fishing. Let's go. I mean, you can't underscore how important yeah. that stuff is mm-hmm. just as an offensive line being a family. That's the most Kansas offensive line thing I think you could ever say. <laughs> hey, let's go fishing, and uh, then I have a cookout. I mean, that's exactly what I think of. Is I mean, I know Adam Holtorf is not around and he hasn't been around, but guys like that going fishing, yeah. I that. could see Noah Johnson and Josh Revis throwing their line in the water. Yeah, you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just just more unity. I think will help Kansas yeah. State, and I think they missed out on that. I think, yeah, quarterback, wide receiver, that connection. I think that's. I mean, quite frankly, that's where K State needs the most improvement. So hopefully, that's where where they get the most benefit from. A lot of new faces in the secondary as well. I mean, I don't think that. If if those guys come in and, and they don't have a normal off season, then maybe it takes a little bit longer to get going. But you know, now that you get those guys in there, they've been in there for spring ball. I think that's going to help the secondary too. I wouldn't worry about them since they're vets. You know, when you bring in a whole bunch of of seniors, graduate seniors that don't need to, you know, learn the fundamentals of football. I guess I feel like you can probably just put them in and, and have success. What are you looking at? <laughs> Daphne has walked to the corner of the studio and just starts staring at the human beings like, what are you people doing? <laughs> so weird. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to, know, you're, you're looking at me funny. I'm just like, am I saying something wrong? It was the look on it. Gil's noticed it. The yep. look on her face was yep. like, these guys are weird. They're just sitting around a table talking. I'm sorry. I interrupted your point there, Zach. I've lost my train of thought, but yeah, you bring the secondary. I don't think that they're, they're going to be too needy on a, having a good summer i guess they've they've put in the work i mean that's the benefit of going to the transfer portal you get guys that are saturday ready mm-hmm. you know when you go in there so i don't think that that's going to be a big deal as as much as wide receiver quarterback will be very good that's the first half of the power cat questions podcast went a little long there we also had to delete some stuff when the dogs went crazy the dogs are Trying to participate today. And Daphne's currently licking Zach. It's getting weird in here. We'll be back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. And guys, I've got a major problem. I've got a big problem. It's not that I'm aging. It's not that my back's hurting. It's not that. No, never you're, mind. That you're missing organs? Yes, I'm missing, <laughs> missing important parts. Uh, my chair, which I like, has a leak in the hydraulic. And I'm slowly oh. getting shorter as the podcast goes on. It's like Riley's uh, Dalton Reisner chair. Yeah. Which is really funny when you think about the guy's last name. <laughs> so Riley Gates inherited Dalton Reisner's old office chair. And uh, it was a nice chair, nice big brown chair, but it had a hydraulic leak, which for Riley meant uh, every day or so he'd have to lift it back up. If you're 300 pounds like Dalton Reisner, it probably was every 10 minutes. And that's what I'm currently going through as I slowly get shorter and shorter during this podcast. We're turning over the questions in this half to Cole Carmody because Ryan Gilbert cursed through the first half. And we had to, we had to delete a bunch of stuff. He gave up four earned runs. <laughs> <laughs> first question of the second half comes from King Jim 77 I know realignment was a big part of last week's podcast, but allow me to pose a hypothetical. Okay. The Big 12 is looking to expand, but none of the other Power 5 teams are interested in leaving their current conference. We must get to 16 teams. Who do you go after based on the following factors? Geographical and cultural fit, academics, and media market size. Taking all the Power 5 teams off the table. Evil. Okay. Okay. Memphis and Cincinnati, easy one, two, right? Okay. Uh, and we're to get to here, we're going to have to set aside stuff that honestly your common fan doesn't understand. I saw someone make an argument for Boise State. They'd been there. Well, in researching um, possible expansion, I discovered that Boise State is considered to have the quality of, a, of an education as a junior college. Really? It's. It's really bad. As is UNLV, one of my personal favorites, and Memphis, all considered to be really low education quality. So that probably precludes the presidents and chancellors from picking any of those institutions. But we're going to have to set that aside for because King Jim, who is my choice for president of Kansas State University, (laughs) has put us in a a little jam here of having to come up with schools. Well, the first thing I do is – I go get Central and South Florida under the under the guidelines he's given us, and probably Cincinnati, and that gives us a West Virginia quad. Even though people, if I remember this correctly, that Morgantown is approximately the same distance from Orlando and Tampa as Ames. People don't. People think of West Virginia being Southern. It really isn't. I mean, it literally borders, Morgantown borders Pennsylvania. It's basically Pittsburgh. Right. <laughs> it's a lot farther north. In fact, Morgantown's, I believe, the furthest north in, in the conference. Maybe Ames. 
but I think it might be more. No, you're probably right. It's kind of like thinking about how, how much farther England is, like London is north of like Maine, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really think about it. It's probably like that. Are there any Mac schools? No, not Mac. I wouldn't think so. No. I mean, then then you turn your attention to... I would know, say Colorado State, right? I, I would absolutely add Colorado yeah. State because then that gives you the a northern quad of K-State, KU. I didn't want to say that name. <laughs> Iowa State and, and Colorado State. And then, you know, you got a Texas quad and then you probably have to add a couple more schools to, you know, get an Oklahoma quad. And then you're probably talking Memphis and who else? I'm taking Houston and SMU. Yeah, I was going to say those two. Teams. Both of them. Yeah. There we go. That's fine with me. That's a lot. Houston, SMU, Colorado State. Uh, another no, trade-off I'd take, be... I'd take Memphis and Cincinnati, and I'd probably leave the Florida schools and take somebody else somewhere. Well, I start with the Florida schools simply because of recruiting. Simply, uh, simply it gives your entire conference a, a footprint in North Florida. So you said Central Florida, South, South Florida. Florida. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. So that gets you to 13. Mm-hmm. And then Colorado State. Colorado State gets you to 14. And then you add two more. I might lean towards. Uh, do you need more? Do you need more schools in Texas? I mean, that's that's, that's I, what it comes to. I think I think Houston so. If you're if you're expanding the whole conference, I think you still like there's a percentage based thing of Texas schools that you probably want to have. I think Houston's a good get, and I think SMU could be. You know, that's if you're going to pick a school that's in Texas, they're in Dallas, right? Yeah, in Dallas. I don't know who else you're taking. It's kind of TCU level, but like I might be tempted to take lower. Houston and then like New Mexico. And and add New Mexico into a division with Tech and the Oklahoma schools. I would take SMU before I took New Mexico. I'm just not sure. I think I kind of like Cole's point. Now you're kind of treading over the same property over and over. Like you, you're already saturated in Texas. You're not picking up any other mm-hmm. media markets that way. I don't know. That's that's true. But you think about the money. I guess you think about SMU's alumni base. Hmm. I don't know about Houston's alumni base, but you pick up a, you do pick up a media market, even though you're already Houston's in Texas. True. Houston's true. Yeah. I mean, that gets you something, but SMU, you're already in Dallas, pretty good with Texas and TCU. It's a good question. Thanks for making us spend time talking about something that'll never happen. What about Tulsa? Sorry. What Tulsa. about Tulsa? Tulsa's a small private school that nope. doesn't have that huge a fan base and doesn't bring you anything. I mean, you're already no. In the Tulsa market, so strong. Yeah, if we're going to talk about states and markets, Tulsa would be worse than taking SMU. If we're being, if we're yeah. being honest, yeah. <laughs> you go to Oklahoma. It doesn't matter where you are in the state. You're going to find OU fans. You're going to find Oklahoma State fans. I might be tempted to pick up Tulane, to pick up, get into the Louisiana market. I feel like recruiting. we could we could take this to the overtime, and it would be your <laughs> back to the your vacation your vacation sixteen. 16. Except Cincinnati. And where it got so absurd, I made Charleston add football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Well, you guys you guys talked a lot about um, the specific schools, but in my opinion, academics needs to be a big emphasis if they're going to expand to different, I guess, more teams. When you lost Colorado, A&M, and uh, the Nebraska. Mizzou, Nebraska. those and were all Nebraska. AAU accredited 
programs. I don't think Nebraska is anymore, but anymore. at the time they were. But that's got to be a big emphasis. I mean, the Big 12 is lacking in academics. The Big 10 is superior in that in that aspect. I know people care about sports, but obviously academics are important too. So that's going to be my biggest, you know, there was geographical, cultural fit, academics and media market size. Academics is my number one priority to answer your question, King Jim. Interesting. Well, that gets really difficult then. I mean, Tulane then becomes an obvious choice because they're very strong in academics. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a school at K-State, who's obviously bottom half of the Big 12 in academics, I don't think it's no, I think, and I, I think that's fair to admit that. And and I hold no shame in that. Right. I mean, I didn't go to Kansas State because if I wanted to go for academics, I would have gone to Northwestern. My my dad's a alma mater. I would have done that. I picked Kansas State for cultural reasons. You know, that's it was important to me. But does picking up a Memphis or you know a school that doesn't have strong academics in your conference does that help K State? Does it make K-State's academics look stronger it's or does it bring them balance. down? It, it is an argument that, um, you know, if, if you back up, you can easily say, what does it matter if you have Boise State and they stink at academics? This is about how much money's coming into the conference for co- TV contracts. And your TV viewers not sitting there going, oh, Boise State's playing Memphis in the Big 12 today. The academics are awful. I'm not watching, pee-pee. I, you know, this, I don't know what's uh, – it doesn't happen. But you have that layer of the chancellors and presidents. This is their club, too. This is their club, too. And who are we going to invite into our club? It's really – it's really pious over in the Big Ten and the ACC to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, they, they won't accept any religious school. I mean that that offends me in a lot of levels. I also kind of understand it, but I would put that not to be religion, but private. I wouldn't invite private schools into my conference. Because Baylor has a huge advantage mm-hmm. of not having to turn over anything because they're private. So I don't know. I, we could talk about this forever. Let's do it. Let's talk about this forever. <laughs> the next question comes from Ima Rika. If Oklahoma and Texas were to leave the Big 12 in conference realignment, one, would the Big 12 dissolve? Two, if, if so, what conference would you like K-State to land in? And three, would K-State fare better or worse in that conference than in the Big 12? The Big 12 would dissolve as we know it. I mean, there were well, now my microphone is. Oh no! What the hell's going on? Oh, excuse me. That sounded like my back. Okay. Um, the Big Twelve would, in all likelihood, just disappear, shatter. But it shouldn't. It's a brand name. I mean, if the other eight schools or six schools, whatever it be, had any conas. They would reorganize the Big 12. Now, granted, the Big 12 at that point would become a lesser conference. There's no denying it. Just because you kept the name Big 12 doesn't mean you're still going to be a power five. And, you know, I mean, it's like conference. the Big East. Mm-hmm. Right. But it has a brand name. I mean, in all likelihood, it should be probably the Mountain West that comes apart. And, you know, or the Mountain West just merges into the Big 12 and becomes the Big 12. However you want to look at it. It's the better brand name. But, yeah, without Oklahoma and Texas, this conference is crap. Just back to everything we talked about, baseball, name brands, viewership, all of it. All of it. You can't get over the fact that 
Texas and Oklahoma have larger fan bases than anyone else in the conference, particularly Texas, and a larger alumni base that are plugged in. Simple fact. There's no getting around it. And the name brand of Texas, Texas is one of those schools like Notre Dame, people around the country like, hey, let's turn it on. That's how it works. But I also contend good sports is good sports. Like, like academics, nobody's sitting at home saying, I'm not going to watch this game because uh, it's competitive, but it's two teams, they, they stop and watch the game. If it's a good game, they watch it. If it's, if it's entertaining stuff, they'll watch it. But, yeah, it'd be a sad mess. Although, we'd be talking about a road trip to Vegas to yeah. cover the UNLV game. And we would be. See, when you think about if if the Big 12 ceased to exist... There's not really a good fit Power 5 conference for K-State to land in. No. Because of slots and because of geography. I mean, if you're talking about empty slots, you'd think the Pac-12. But where's Oklahoma? I guess the first first question to answer is where are OU and Texas going? Because K-State's not going there if those are the exiters. Because Oklahoma State would probably be paired with Oklahoma and Texas – you know, I don't think that Texas Tech or TCU or Baylor are going to follow Texas wherever they go. But you'd assume that Texas and Oklahoma are also going to the same spot. So if they're going to the if they're going to the SEC, well, there's no more slots at the SEC. So then you got what Big Ten? You got a couple slots. ACC, you got like one slot. Pac-12, you got like four slots. Maybe they go to the Pac-12. Maybe, but. I don't see him going to the Big Ten. There's I don't no see him going to the ACC. There's no advantage to go to the Pac-12. There's n- yeah. Way to move yourself out of the national conscience by mm-hmm. playing on the West Coast all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a, a spot for West Coast games, but for an entire conference trying to have games, it just doesn't work out very well. I, I know that actually the it's been interesting. Now we're fly chasing. Um, the Big Ten has come after... Both Oklahoma and Texas shown interest because of academics. And I just don't know why they would want to go anywhere. I just don't. At this point, we have a good sample size of what happens to institutions when they switch conferences. And I don't think it's necessarily positive. Uh, you can make an argument A&M it was positive for, but not if you want to win games. I mean, since Johnny Manziel left... And and that was a deceiving bridge from the Big 12 into the SEC because he was so dynamic. He made them competitive. Has this move been good for Texas A&M football? I don't think it has. It's I mean, like what Zach always says. Maybe if you make a super conference, if Texas and you go to the SEC, you're going to lose. Not going to be as good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people are going to lose. Um, I, I would say it's neutral. I don't think Texas A&M is any better or worse in the SEC than what they would be in the Big 12. I I can make an argument that as bad as I you on paper it seems like adding Maryland and Rutgers were for the Big 10, they brought in new markets and their traditional powers didn't lose games. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I think you can make argument that that worked out well. What happens to the Big 12? I think you can cling it together by kind of becoming the Southwest yeah. Big Eight merger in a different way without the power schools. Maybe you do end up with Tulsa. You know, I, I wouldn't want, want that. That that's a school I just just doesn't seem like a fit. 
But you would certainly, I would think, Colorado State would be in that discussion. And if you bring them, you're probably talking about Wyoming then. I mean, yeah. I mean, it gets to be a little, do you really want to be going to Wyoming for games? Do do you really want to be going to Wyoming? If they built a new stadium like Colorado State did, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think Colorado, the Colorado State's biggest thing they have going for them, they have a brand new stadium that's less than five years old. In a really desirable area um, with access to a major market. If, you know, I, I've always said, I thought, I think if Colorado State, like TCU, was included into a major conference, they'd do okay because people would say, yeah, I'm a Colorado State alum. We're in the Big 12. You know, it would be, yeah, I went to Colorado State. Yeah, we play in the Mountain West. But then all of a sudden they become proud of it and it becomes a big deal. We're way off. There's a huge fly in here. There's a giant fly. <laughs> and poor Daphne it. thinks she's being attacked by, like, fighter bombers. Keeps buzzing her. Hmm. Interesting. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, Go Youper Cat asks, if all of the alleged recruitment tampering and portal back channeling is true, does a Power 5 football program that does things by the book even stand a fighting chance? And weighing the NCAA's administrative Im- impo- Im- I'm assuming that's supposed to be importance? Impotence. Yeah. <laughs> you pulled gills on there. Man. And weighing the NCAA's administrative impotence as a factor, would Ooh. you rather see your team risk infraction to remain competitive or maintain integrity at all costs. And now the guy with prostate cancer will define impotence. Um, <laughs> <sighs> they have opened up such an enormous problem here. There's no way they can manage it. There's no way. There's no way you can manage the level of back channel recruiting that's going on right now, let alone what it's going to develop into. Because I can tell you sure as hell, if I'm a football coach and I've got a kid on my team that came out of a major high school that produces 10 Division I football players, I'm having a little private conversation. Hey, why don't you text your buddies? See see who's interested. This is a huge problem. My daily delivery on Wednesday is about what's going on with KU and Buffalo. And I'm not making the argument that there's anything – that is wrong with what Lance Leipold's doing because he has existing relationships with these players, but this is setting a horrible precedent. So now you not only hire the head coach, but you're going to hire the players. So does this become part of the discussion? If I'm looking for a new basketball coach as an AD, am I going to say, Hey, Mr. Gilbert, you've had a lot of success at whatever school you're at. Who all are you going to bring with you if I hire you? Is that going to really become part of this discussion? Probably should be if you're a good AD. It's crazy. Again, every time you make a move that seems to make things better, it just opens up a bunch of unintended consequences. Like leaving a door open so a huge fly can come into your studio. We need to kill it. <laughs> we got to kill it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, I mean, Daphne needs to kill it. Not Daphne, us. Daphne's awful at this. She needs to land first. So, Fitz, would you rather K-State keep your in, keep the integrity of the institution like, no. ha, like it has like, been? No. Be Bruce Weber? Yeah. No, I've always argued you, you need to operate in the gray. I've always argued that if 
they're not going to enforce the speed limit until you go 83. You need to go 82. Instead of, well, the speed limit's 75. I better go 70. I mean, I've always argued if you're not operating in the gray, that just because it's the rules doesn't mean it's the rules of the road. Mm-hmm. I, I think the mic is picking up the buzzing. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is. Yep. <sighs> so, um, no, I... Again, I think Chris Kleiman needs to hire a full-time portal recruiting expert and a scouting staff that is literally going to do what? This was something uh, we put up Josh Pate's thing on uh, the transfer portal. And it's really interesting because now lesser schools, uh, I don't mean that to be demeaning, but non-Power 5 schools are afraid that you are scheduling us just to scout our players to see who you can steal so that you can have them on a recruiting visit to see what your stadium looks like on game day. And that, yeah, we've got a great sophomore running back that you would love, so you've now scheduled us so he can see what it's like to come to Baton Rouge on game day. That's a real probably fear of the smaller institutions. And But you... <sighs> I get the argument, but you know what's happening right now in college football? Games are being scheduled five years in advance. It doesn't matter. Not with those it, lesser opponents. They're, they're kind of one or two years out a lot of times. There's a lot of that. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least the Nevada game has been on the schedule for, there's for some years. Of that. There's a lot of games. And maybe that's what needs to happen is these smaller schools, if you want to prevent this, just say, yeah, we'll schedule games, but you're, we're going to schedule them early. So you can't get so you, you don't For basketball, basketball more of a worry, though. I guess yeah. maybe basketball, sure. But yeah. at least for football, I don't see it as as big of a, a problem. I know. And it's preventable. I know this. I wouldn't if I had a young, talented, non-power six basketball program. There's no way in hell I would let Scott Drew put me on his schedule because he'll recruit you in the the handshake line. So will Bill Self. It's it's been well documented. He's done it. Look at the, look at some of the players that they've gotten from teams that they have played. Oh, how'd that happen? Look, uh, that has now been approved by the NCAA. Basically, I mean. Uh, the coaches will always find the loopholes. They always will. So, buyer beware, I guess. If you're a group of five or group of whatever school, I'd insist on a lot more home games. If you're going to schedule people, I think that you know, if if the if these smaller schools can can band together and group together, and if they're wanting to prevent tampering and wanting to prevent people coming, you know taking recruiting visits and seeing the stadium based on games that you, you know, your own team went to go play, then yeah, you should probably get some more home games out of it. And maybe you'll see some more power teams going on the road to some smaller schools, but it takes the smaller schools to, to band together and, and do it that way. Can you imagine how pissed off Buffalo fans are right now? Six players so far, there's going to be more. He's he left and now he's picking the bones clean of the program he helped build. That does and that's that seems like a character issue, quite honestly. I mean, if you leave a job that gave you really your first major college coaching job mm-hmm. and you're not grateful for that opportunity, to me that seems like a bigger issue that KU might have on their hands. Uh, it, it's it's a mess. I don't know that he's doing anything wrong NCAA wise, but here we are. This is the new reality. I mean, if players want to leave, they can leave. And if they like their coach, you know, yep. might as well follow. So I don't think that there's going to be anything 
wrong about it. It's just the unfortunate reality of allowing free transfers at this point. K Byers 03 asks, why do you think the KU brand is more prevalent in Kansas City than the K-State brand other than proximity? KU basketball is the de facto NBA team of the city. Simple. Yeah. It's the de facto professional basketball team because they have had so much success. It's cool. It's cool to be a KU fan if you bought your shirt at Walmart and then you can be associated with a program that might win a tournament, an NCAA tournament. That's why. Plus, proximity is a big deal. I mean, it just is easier for them to get to Lawrence than Columbia or Manhattan, period. So do you think Kansas City is more of a basketball town or a football town? It's a college basketball town. It's an NFL town. It's an NFL town. Yeah, it's not about what sport. It's about what level of sport. If KU was good at football, like if they were, you don't think. Wouldn't move the needle. KU KU could be making the Orange Bowl every year and and the Kansas City Chiefs could go 3-13, 3 out of 4 years. It wouldn't matter. Chiefs win Every single time. So would you say K-State football is more marketable in Kansas City than KU football? Yes. Yes, I do. Because of success. I actually actually think that's true. That's interesting to me. So that just says that, what, people like winners more than they like losers if you're not an alumni? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, we once had a guy on the staff who who cheered for Duke basketball. Whatever happened (laughs) to that guy? Yeah. Uh, But he also picked the Knicks, so I can't explain anything. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It gets back to my whole point. A rich K-Stater needs to put an NBA franchise in Kansas City and really screw over KU basketball because they'll lose all their T-shirt fans. Most of them. Because then it'll become cool to be the, the NBA fan. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we can talk about that on the Overtime Podcast. We hunt this fly during the Overtime Podcast. That's what we're doing. I got him. I got him. Oh, he's fast. Uh, K-Byers03 asks again. Speaking of the Chiefs, is Byron Pringle ready to make his jump to one of the top three receivers for the Chiefs this fall? Here's my thing about Byron Pringle. He's on a team with the best roster of receivers. And every time he plays, the head coach is like, he does everything right. He he does everything right. And it's my team, so I don't want him to leave. But I have the feeling if he would ever take another contract with another team, he would be a really effective NFL guy and people would talk about him like Pringle had a big day at six catches. I don't know. Like he's kind of in a box right now, but it's a box that might include a, a Super Bowl ring. And why would you want to leave the best quarterback in the NFL? I know. I know. And I, I just feel like they, he's the Whit Merrifield of the chiefs. At some point they're going to finally say, you know what? You are pretty good. We're just going to put you in the lineup and let you play. I mean, because they they held back wit forever until he just did stuff that was undeniable. But, man, they put him back on kick returns. Hey, there's a touchdown here in Denver. Yeah. Oh, I don't get to do it anymore. It just doesn't make sense to me how they handle, they've handled Pringle. And I know they've got, on paper, more dynamic guys. But I watch the games, and I'm like, I want Byron Pringle on the field. Demarcus Robinson is not better than Byron Pringle. I agree. And, I agree. And they brought him back. So I don't know if this is the year where Pringle is one of those top three receivers. I mean, 
I hope he is. I even think he's better than McCole Hardman. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hardman's fast, but we haven't really seen him produce. I think Pringle could be right there. I mean, he, he he's an edge guy, right? And the way he blocks is also really, really Amazing. good. And the Chiefs love him for that. So, I mean, I don't know if this is the year he makes it, but I think if he continues to stick with the Chiefs, he's putting himself in good position. So, I, I don't know if he's getting advice from someone, but I can see – Byron hanging around the Chiefs for a number of years. And then finally, as he gets towards the back end of his career, he's going to be in an interesting position because his body will still be pretty good. He hasn't played a ton of snaps. And he might be able to get into, you know, like they just raised minimums and all, get into a position where he's going to sign that one final definitive three, four year contract worth some hefty millions of dollars. And be done, you know, with a fairly healthy body because he's he's just played a bunch of football on paper without actually playing football. It's kind of crazy what he's doing right now. Yeah, I think if I'm Pringle, I want to, st- you know, even if I can go get more money somewhere else, I'd probably trade that money for chances of winning Super Bowls with Until with you the get Chiefs. to the end of your career. Yeah. And you're like, I got to get paid. It's time to get paid and right off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Not that our opinions really matter, but they do. Do you guys, when you watched Pringle at Kansas State, did you ever see him being a, a number three option in the NFL? I did. You I did. did? Yeah. See, I didn't, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I saw him do things. Um, we never thought of Byron as fast, and then I'd see him run a pattern. What was it against Texas A&M? He did that. He just ran away from people. He just would do some things once in a while. You're like, oh, well, that that really wasn't what I thought you were, but you know, make some catches the oklahoma state game for me is probably the yeah. moment where i was like yeah. this guy this guy could play on some with a freshman with a freshman quarterback too right yeah. yeah he he just would do some things once in a while you're like wow and then you consider his size and he kind of had the right measurables so yeah now i i actually think he's been more successful in what little he's played than Maybe a thought. Maybe I thought he'd end up with Detroit and be in the starting lineup and have two or three catches. And we go, hey, Byron had a nice day. But now when he actually does something, everyone's like, whoa. I mean, because he just kind of sticks out. <laughs> yeah. People love Byron Pringle, especially in. That's a great guy. K State. It's a great story. Mm-hmm. He's the final uh, Bill Snyder player that just steers off into an interesting area. Snyder 1.0 like to save people. You like to take chances on people. Your bad background, I can save you. I can make you a better person. I mean, that was pretty common. People looked at him taking bad people, but he was really trying to help people. It wasn't just about football. Let's be clear. You had to be a good football player on top of having those issues. But uh, he did a lot of that, and sometimes it became a little bit of a distraction. And he really stopped doing that in 2.0. I joked about the Boy Scouts all the time. Byron Pringle was a hard sell. In 2.0. 1.0, he would have done it. But Andre Coleman really went to bat for Byron. I mean, he's got a record. I mean, what other player in recent K-State history can you say Bill Snyder recruited even though he'd done time, you know, or had some serious crimes against him? But the young man really did reform his life from what could have been a really wasted you know, a lot of ability, which I'm sure goes on all across the United States. Mm -hmm. People get caught up in the wrong things and Bill Snyder got him got him back on track, and now he credits Bill Snyder for everything that he's offered him the kind of discipline he needed. Very cool. Um, the last question of the podcast comes from Contra Cat. 
Do you care to comment on Naomi Osaka at the French Open with media commitments since you are a media organization? Should athletes be expected to participate in media when requested? Should athletes take the Marshawn Lynch route? I'm just here so I won't get fined when forced to show. It is. It's an interesting topic. I think it goes with the job. I think it's part of the job. Because it's not about talking to the media. It's about talking to the fans. I mean, that's where the hang-up is. Why should they talk to you? Because if they don't talk to us, you don't hear from them. I mean, it doesn't promote the sport, doesn't promote the team, doesn't promote the school, doesn't do those things. It's part of what goes with being. I mean, it'd just be like an actor saying, well, I'm not going to go out and promote the movie. Well, that's not how it works, man. It's part of the job. Now, my problem with this situation is she read the rule book and said, from what I understand, I get fined if I don't do this. It's worth it to me personally not to have the distraction. I will pay the fine. And she even expressed an interest. Would you consider funneling my fines into some nonprofits of, you know, that align with me? And then they changed the rules after that to say that they can suspend her. I mean, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Right? If you're following the rules, even if it means you're not doing something they'd like you to do, but you're willing, for example, if a coach goes into post-game press conference, well, I'm not supposed to say anything. No, coach, you can say whatever you want about the officials. You're just going to get fined. <laughs> right? You're not breaking the rules. You're accepting the fine. Yeah. You're accepting the the deal. The consequence yeah. of your actions. This is, this is you do this, you pay that. Are, are you willing to do that? And she said, yeah, I'm willing to pay the $15,000, which would be nice to be in that position. But And then later they added on more penalty to her that wasn't reflected in the rule book. So I see, I see her point. I would have dropped out too. But I've dropped out of every major tennis tournament. I've never competed in a major tennis tournament. That's my stance. That's true. I've just stayed away from them. I don't believe in it. I think it's. I think what she did coming out before and with her mental health and anxiety, like I totally get it and I understand it. But at the same time, you know, my problem with with the accepting the fine. She's the number two tennis player in the world right now. She made what fifty five million dollars or something last year. Twenty thousand dollars to miss a press conference for her is a drop in the bucket. Like that's nothing for her. But let's say that there's other players, you know, in the tournament that have the same, you know, mental health issues or anxiety or whatever, but they can't afford to pay twenty thousand dollars to miss a press conference. You know, I, I I totally respect her, you know, bringing awareness to mental health, you know, anxiety, you know, it's all good there. But part of me sees her saying, look, I'm privileged enough that I can pay to not have to do things to make me to give me somewhat of an advantage over those that may have the same, you know, mental health issues, anxiety, whatever. As, as I do, but they can't afford and they have to go through with everything else. That's so how life works, brother. So as soon as I become multimillionaire, which I'm sure is about to happen, I think it's about to happen. I will <laughs> never be on a commercial flight with schlubs like you ever again. I'm in first class. I, I will be either first class or on a private jet because I can afford to do that. And until I can afford to do that, I have to put up with all the anxiety that goes with flying. With the normal folk, 
No, not the normal folk. The lesser folk. Mm. Mm. There we go. Yeah, Burn. but you know, good for her for you know sticking. You know, with she, I mean, with she withdrew from the tournament. She could have, you know, gone through with, you know, doing a Marshawn Lynch and just saying, "I'm here just so I don't get fined. I'm just fulfilling my media obligations and just sit through a press conference that she doesn't want to do." But you know, I think that there's clearly something else going on with her that she wasn't going to be able to focus on her tennis. So I hope she, she's an incredible player and I hope she comes back, you know, stronger from this, but it's going to take work on her part to, to get through us because these tournaments and, and across, you know, all sports, nobody's going to say, all right, we're not going to make you do media anymore. That's just the reality of the business and how, how sports work. You're going to have to do media. It's part of the job. And if you're good enough at your job, you're going to have to do more media. So that's just kind of the way it is. Can you imagine the French Open, though? Do you think they ever imagined she would say, okay, I'm dropping out? Because that really screwed them. I mean, that... See, I see that. But at the same time, if you don't... If, if somebody doesn't want to play tennis, any, you know, tennis, golf, whatever, there's going to be somebody else. There's always oh, somebody else to take your place. I get that, you know, In she's big term. now. If she just dropped right. out and said, I can't do this anymore, I mean, another story would come along. You're right. But, I mean, it's not like she's the only person in tennis that could possibly win this tournament. So, you know, and plus she she hasn't played well on clay courts anyway. So, I don't you know. That's why, I <laughs> That's why you don't play the yeah. French Open. Yeah, clay courts. Plus it gets my white shorts messy. Yeah, that's why we're black. Hmm. Never thought of that. Yeah. Or clay-colored shorts. Oh, that's a brilliant note to end this podcast on. Because there weren't any brilliant notes other than that. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. Went a little long today. That's okay. We had a lot of stuff going on. On Friday, we'll have other stuff going on called The Overtime. And it'll be dumb. You better come listen to it. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.